Welcome, you're listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode. This is your host, John Martellero. And this week, my guest is Interim, or ICEO of the Electronic Transactions Association, Amy Zirkel. Amy, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Thank you so much. It's a, it's really a, a pleasure and a thrill to be with you here today. Well, thank you for joining me on the show. I've got a lot of fun questions about electronic payments, and I'm fascinated to hear what's going on with electronic payments, and you're the person who knows. But for, the, for the listeners, let me introduce you first. You are the ICEO of the Electronic Transactions Association. Prior to joining the ETA, you spent 17 years working as a senior economist for an international consulting firm focusing on technology matters, including mobile payments in the developing world. You hold an SM degree from MIT. I found out that was like a master's. Yeah, that's, that's- Yes, it's MIT version. God yeah. forbid it's a master of arts. It's a master of science. So right. that's in keeping with the, with the institution. And you served as a research associate at the MIT Media Lab, as I well did. as the MIT Research Program on Communications Policy. And you were at the Sloan School of Management at MIT. Indeed. Indeed. Um, yes, I was. And I, I can remember when, the, when they broke ground on the Media Lab. It was really exciting. And I'll, and I'll share with you just a little background and a lot of the work that I did. And when I tell you the work that I did at the Media Lab on technology, it'll give you a feel for how far we've come just when we talk about technology. We did, um, there was a, a project called The Future of the Mass Audience um, and a lot of work around high definition television, stereo television, all those crazy, exciting technologies, which back in um, the mid '80s seemed to be groundbreaking and transformational, and of course that was um, before all of those um, sleek devices or sleek iPhones that we hold in our hand were um, uh, as uh, as as ubiquitous as they are now. So, so a long time before we were each carrying around little computers with us. Like <laughs> cool. Who was the founder of the Media Lab? There was a famous name. Oh, uh, Nicholas Negroponte was yeah. a name that that is always referenced as yeah. real sort of the leader. Were you and, there when he was there? I was. I was. Was he um, as inspiring and as cool as everybody says? Yeah, you know, I mean, the the, the fascination MIT in and of itself is sort of a unique place. Um, you know, buildings are not there are names to buildings, but then they also have numbers, and departments have names, but they also have course numbers. So you'll find students saying, "Are you course six? Are you six C? Oh, you're fourteen. Oh, you're five. You know, sort of the 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 the, the numerical uh, significance at MIT is substantial. Um, but the Media Lab was just this wonderful place for for thinking about technology in, in sort of an applied world and looking at technology through the lens of, of things like human interaction. And it's really the home now where there's so much research going on around machine learning and artificial intelligence and the way the the the, the way that um, that technology really has become part of our daily lives and the fabric of, of everything we do and what the, the human aspects are. So it is, it's really, 
it's compelling to think about it and and so um and the building in and of itself it's a white building it it almost looks like uh, old school bathroom tiles on the exterior but the work <laughs> in there is is truly uh, truly transformational in in what the researchers and professors and students and and all those affiliated with the with the facility are doing it's nice. really must have been cool must have been very cool it, it, it really, really was. I have great, great fondness for my for my time there. Oh, so very long ago. <laughs> mm. Tell me about the ETA, its members and its mission. Sure, uh, I'm happy to. So, ETA is the Electronic Transactions Association. We are a nonprofit trade association. We're we're based physically in Washington D.C. Um, but our members are all over the world. So we are the, the trade association of the payments technology industry. We got started truly, um, and we will, as an aside, turn 30 uh, next year. So 2020 is a, is a big year for us as an association, 30 years in existence, which um, which is something that we're going to spend a lot of attention to, pay a lot of attention as it's due to to highlight the, the the transformation in the industry and the work we've done as an association. So that's that's going to be a, a consistent point of note from the association's perspective. But we represent largely the acquiring community. So if if you think about payments and you think about when you make a, a purchase in a store, there is the relationship that you as a consumer have with the merchant. And then once the merchant processes that transaction, that's kind of where the magic happens for so many of our uh. members. So our um, our members include companies that I know a lot of your listeners know and love, big, big, prominent tech companies. Like is Apple a member? Friends at Apple, they absolutely are. Do you know and Jennifer fact, Bailey? Have you met her? Um, I, I am very, very honored to say that Jennifer Bailey was our opening keynote address oh, nice. two weeks ago at our annual trade conference and trade show, which is called Transact. She took the main stage and presented a fascinating, enlightening um, presentation of what Apple Pay is doing. Jennifer uh, Bailey the- is the Apple VP of Apple Pay, by the way, just for the listeners in case you forgot. She is, she is, uh, she is truly inspiring. And, and what a, a, just a phenomenal business leader and a lovely, lovely individual to boot. But yes, Apple is a, is a prominent player and contributor in ETA in terms of um, participating in our committees and serving on our board of directors. In fact, oh, we have an nice. executive on our, on our board from Apple. Um, Google as well. So, so Apple and Google, think of those companies. Think of Stripe and Square and Adyen. But also think of really vital companies like the large processors, companies like First Data or WorldPay. Um, Bank of America, Merchant Services, TD Bank. I'm sort of running across our board, um, but companies too like Billing Tree. What about the major? What about the major card issuers like Visa, Mastercard, all of, all of the Amex. major card issuers? So indeed, Visa, mm-hmm. Mastercard, Amex, Discover, PayPal, China Union Pay, JCB are all members of ETA. So they and they really provide the rails for what for what this sort of payments environment is about. But but we have 500 companies 
that represent the entire ecosystem. So I've named some really prominent names, but for every prominent name, there is probably 50 smaller companies that would not be top of mind to, to, to you or to your listeners, no disrespect, but companies that are playing vital roles in in shaping payments, in driving the future of commerce, in enhancing the customer experience at the point of sale or the, the place where you make your purchase. Think of it that way. Enhancing um, the customer experience. I know that very well because it gives me a giddy feeling to walk into a grocery store and uh, I, I pause for a second to make sure the people in line behind me are watching. And I take my watch and I go doink on the terminal. I'm done. And I smile. And it's so, just so cool. It's fascinating, and it's frictionless, and that's what we're about. So our member companies include, as I mentioned, some big tech companies, smaller tech companies, payment processors, financial institutions, security companies, um, companies that operate in the B2B space, the, the mm. business-to-business space, point-of-sale providers, people that make those uh, the terminals. So think of a Verifone, think of an Ingenico, companies that are in the venture capital space that are all sort of looking with great glee and excitement about the potential and and future for the next great uh, innovation to come forward. Speaking of potential, how fast have electronic payments grown? Can you kind of characterize it as like doubling every six months or every year? Oh, my God, it is it is significant in terms of of the annual transaction volumes that have that have taken place. I have um, I, I can get you the specific data points, but it is it is significant. It fuels the economy. It fuels um, um, growth in in ways unlike anything else, and what really is key, and and um, and this is just to me kind of at the heart of what our association does. Every one of our member companies, in some way, shape, or form, touches touches a human being's life in in ways that are vital and significant. So our members all support. The electronics ecosystem, the, the 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 growth of commerce in ways that are not just related to purchases for um, sure buying uh, shoes or buying dinnerware or buying dinner or um, paying for groceries, but people use electronic payments tools and devices to pay for healthcare, to pay for for insulin and medication to, um, you know, you use electronic payments to pay for weddings and you use it to pay for funerals. We touch lives unlike any other industry. And so um, I think that's the piece for me that is so significant and so substantial, how the tools that electronic payments provide really, really shape your daily life and in ways that some people don't even realize, but it is significant and it is impactful and it is meaningful and it is, it is transformational. So which, I believe which one, is, which one is the what, fastest growing? We like to think Apple Pay is pretty popular, but uh, it's probably a small fraction of the total electronics payment industry. You know, can I think, you, do you think so, of, can you think of one that's like really zooming? Well, we continue to see, we certainly see growth in the mobile payment space that's significant. We see growth. If you think about transaction volumes and the pace of transactions, and the one thing, for example, that a number of our members are truly focusing on, and this ties to your 
ease, speed, simplicity, sophistication too, I might add, experience is the growth of contactless. And so desiring uh, the, the, the desire to create an easy experience for a consumer. So much in the way that Apple Pay is a tap and go experience, contactless cards also provide that experience. So there's great, there's been significant growth in that um, in the transit space, you may have read a lot oh, about yeah. transit are doing to encourage sort of tap and go. And that's really been a, a fruitful test case for, for what we're seeing more and more of in-store. It's, it is. It's about customer experience. It is about creating a pleasant customer experience. It is about moving consumers through lines. So whether and I, whether you use your, your Apple Pay device or whether you use um, a contactless card, it is about creating an easy, secure, speed experience um so one of our writers one of our writers charlotte henry lives in london and she has a tap and go card for her transit for the uh, tube in london but it's limited to 30 pounds uh transaction for tap and go are are tap and go cards going to come along in the u.s and will there be a dollar limit like like in the uk so i think there is there is there are contactless cards in market, and there are transit test cases currently underway mm-hmm. in a number of markets. So I don't. Um, I think that what you're going to see is more and more of, uh, of of transit authorities driving towards not to use not to not to not to not to uh, cross reference you know transit and driving. But I think you're going to see more and more transit test cases come online across several major cities to. Um, to present a really sophisticated, seamless solution um, for for travelers and for consumers. Is the so, tap and go NFC card that you hold in your hand and tap? Is the security on that the same as a chipped system? It is. It is. So, so remember, all the cards that have been issued have the chip. So the question is whether the cards that have been issued have the chip along with NFC. So you see, you'll see some reissuing coming around from the large issuers of cards that have. Will I notice it? Will they? Will they tell me? You will by the logo. If you look on a card and you see that NFC logo, which okay, the little radiation symbol, the little radiation sign, yes. Um, cool. That will allow you to realize it is a it is a contactless card, and so you can you can tap and go. Gotta and ask so, my bank about that. Right. So yeah. if you don't have the correct fare, you just tap your card and go. It just talk about ease, simplicity, speed, and in what better place than in the transit system to 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 bring that to life and encourage people to move move quickly through um, through the transit system. It, it creates it probably makes a more enjoyable trans you know uh, a commuting experience because oftentimes as a as a commuter myself there's a there's a little bit of frustration that I personally encounter um, you know if I don't have the right amount on my on my on my prepaid you know my downloaded fare card so the ability to just tap and go again customer experience i want it easy i want it simple i want it sleek i want it sophisticated so that's that's what what you're going to see with the with the growth of contactless and we're getting there um you know like everything else the the there is 
there nothing's like you know sort of turning on a light switch but there is significant progress and focus being made and and the growth around contactless you know all of our members all of the ETA member companies are doing significant impactful work in encouraging deployment of contactless so you talk about the card networks all of the major card networks visa mastercard amex discover are all focusing like a laser on what they can do to make that contactless model successful. All right, cool. Well, we're going to have to take a commercial break. When we come back, I've got a lot more questions to ask you. Folks, we'll be back in 60 seconds. Stay with us. I'm chatting with the ICEO of ETA, Amy Zirkel. We'll be right back. Today, our sponsor is Linode. Linode helps you design, develop, and deploy in the cloud. You can build dedicated CPU, distributed applications, hosted services, websites, and CI slash CD environments. If it runs on Linux, it runs on Linode. Linode is focused on simplicity, service, and value. The goal is to maximize the benefit you receive from your cloud by making it cost-effective to deploy robust compute, storage, and networking services that meet your ever-changing performance needs. Featured are native SSD storage, a 40-gigabit network, and industry-leading processors. Pick from any of 10 worldwide data centers, including the newest in Toronto. Pay only for what you use with hourly billing across all plans and add-on services. Plus, 24 by 7 live customer support is always just a phone call away. You'll be able to deploy and maintain your infrastructure simply and cost-effectively. Plus, Linode's tools make it easy to provision, secure, monitor, and backup your cloud. To learn more, visit linode.com slash bgm. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash BGM and receive a $20 credit when you use promo code BGM2019. Thanks, Linode, for being our sponsor. We're back. I'm chatting with the ICEO of the ETA, Amy Zirkel. Amy, remember our current C? It seemed like after Apple Pay came out, everybody wanted to have their own payment transaction system. You know, just like the movie studios now, each one wants to have its own streaming app and you watch that studio's content. Are we heading towards a world in which every major company wants to have its own processing name system like Currency or Apple Pay or Walmart Pay? And so we're going to have our phone loaded with all these apps and we have to figure out where we're shopping and which app to use. Is, we are, is that on the table? Or well, is you it, know, it's... It's fascinating to think about sort of like super apps, which you see maybe more so in markets outside the U.S., in in parts of Asia and China, where you've got one app that does so many amazing, significant Mm -hmm. things. Um, You know, I I think when um, um, I think there was a lot of hope around what currency could bring, Um, it was it was ambitious, you know, as as a as it was planned. And it was um, technically obtuse, too. They wanted your checking yeah. account number. Yeah, and so there were some problems there. So I think that was maybe an awkward attempt at trying to get <laughs> at, um, I'm, I'm, right, an awkward attempt at, at figuring out. Yeah, awkward is what's, what's, what's <laughs> to get at this. You know, at the end of the day, it feels as if, and it certainly seems to be the case, that that, that, computer that we all carry around with us every day is is more and more going to drive everything what we do everything that we do um and and more and more instances of um 
integration and efficiency and interoperability. And those terms are not merely, you know, useful sounding terms, but they're relevant in the payment space. Unless they get in the way of the uh, merchant understanding the details of what you bought and then sometimes compromises are made, it seems. Well, I, you know, I think in terms of and the, and the merchant piece is an important an important element here, too, because for merchants, you know, we talk about the payments industry and we talk about the payments ecosystem. And I, I referenced that ETA member companies sit, sit on the acquiring side. So for many of our member companies, merchants are their customers. And at the end of the day, it's about it's about working with your customers. It's about collaborating with your customers. It's about keeping your customers satisfied and happy. And so really partnering with the merchant community around the payment space is is an important element. It's not an ecosystem without that that merchant in the loop. And so I think that certainly our members are looking to um, to merchants and payments innovation and ways to 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 again build opportunities to collaborate and be mutually supporting in what merchants deliver and in the manner by which they deliver it. So whether it's through an online experience, whether it's through an in-store experience, all that we talk about as an industry, you've you've probably heard the term omni-channel and the ability to engage with merchants through whatever device it is. So whether it's your 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 laptop, your MacBook, your iPhone, your your mobile device, your tablet, those are all. You know, I talked about um, point of sale, but those all become in an e-commerce world. Those all become point of sale devices as well. So well, let's talk about merchants and point of sales. There's there's two merchants and point of sale systems I wanted to ask you about that seem to be lagging. And the first is restaurants, and the second is gas stations. Gas stations seem to be locked in the past of the magnetic strip, and restaurants seem to be locked in the idea of whisking away your credit card to a terminal. Even though they insert a chipped card into the terminal, your credit card is out of your hands for a while. I've seen a couple restaurants experiment with a system where they come to your table, and they have a little computer-sized device, and Mm -hmm. you put your card into it. I think it was, um, I forget what restaurant it was, but I don't see it very dominant is that going to change in the near future? How are restaurants and gas stations thinking about a contactless future? Oh, I absolutely. And and you know the piece around around gas stations was um, remember when um, for for the EMV the migration to EMV and chip mm-hmm. cards um, gas the EuroPay the Mastercard Visa consortium correct the chip so um, the the chip that. Um, I think for a lot of folks, I remember standing in line, I think it was probably in a grocery store and people not knowing, wait, what do I do? Where do I put it? I insert it. What do I do? I don't insert it long enough. I pushed it in too hard. Then there was that horrible noise. We've seen (laughs) significant improvement in that. And in fact, I think the noise has changed too. And And the pace and rate of authorizations has improved significantly. But gas stations were one of the last retailers to um, to incorporate EMV technology. So because their terminals are, are so, I mean, retrofitting some of those terminals is significant if you think about a, a gas station. So back in 2016, um, 
the EMV deadline was shifted from 2017 to October of 2020. So it gave it's giving uh, uh, gas stations time to adjust and to adopt EMV chip technology. Because that's I, the only place I use my magnetic strip, and I'm wondering if the magnetic strip is chartered to be gone at a certain point. Is this the October 2020 deadline you're talking about where magnetic strips will no longer be in use? No, you'll still you'll still have the stripe. I, I, I mean, they may... I believe you'll still see a stripe on the card, but the utility of that stripe may be minimized over time by virtue of the chip. And so there okay. are ways to, frankly, alter card design, which is something I think a number of our members are looking at to create an easier-to-read card, a sleeker card, a card where – you know, you can you can read your 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 account number easier when you're you know using it to maybe input in an e-commerce purchase or um, if you're calling in an order online. And similarly with restaurants, restaurants are really that's an area as well that we see a growing level of payment sophistication, both in terms of quick serve restaurants as well as more established restaurants. The hospitality industry especially, I think, is looking at payments and and utilizing payments and creating ease. And again, what is, is that it? going to be a tap and go thing where somebody will bring a little box to your to your table and you just tap and go? I think we'll easily get to a a, a sleeker experience in the in the restaurant yeah, in the restaurant seems space. To be slow and well. coming. We're getting there. We're making we're making progress, and it again, it's it is about you know a, a shift of an industry, but there is certainly progress being made, and that's also where you know the apps for for restaurants and devices are bringing that value add. So if you think of like an open table app where you can where you sure. can add loyalty points and things that will entice you to engage. I with had high hopes for Open Table. I wrote an article right. about it a few years ago, but it doesn't seem to to really catch on and become widespread. Although well, it's better engage, than it was. And to engage with technology in really interesting ways to bring value to again the customer experience overall. And I think that's the piece where um, you know it is it is I think merchants and payment players and the ecosystem in its entirety realizes that it for consumers we have become we as consumers I certainly as a consumer have have our expectations we have we have we ex, we expect speed we expect simplicity um, if you think about it just in terms I'm sure some of your listeners remember dial up you know internet access and things <laughs> of that nature we are oh, an yeah. instantaneous culture right we want it now we wanted it yesterday what do you mean it's taking so long to download why is it downloading um, you know the days of, uh, of that's what uh, drives you crazy you give your card to the server in a restaurant and they disappear and you're waiting and waiting and you're done eating and you're ready to go and your card's processing off somewhere in a black book waiting to be you know checked through the system. Right, but That's we are going to not a great experience. We will get to a, a, a more expedient experience here. Tell me about order ahead payments here. One of the documents you sent me uh, pointed out uh, when you, for example, when you have a pizza delivery, you call up the pizza shop, you order ahead. They want a credit card number right there. You're kind of reluctant to pull your credit card out of your wallet and give them the main number. Is is there a one time credit card number? Like a it's like a security one-time pad, where you can tear off and give them one one-time use credit card number. Is that a technology that's coming? 
Well, I think what Mobile Ahead allows you to do, and remember, you're using cards that have EMV chips. So, so again, um, part of part of what what took place with the with the migration was the advent of tokenization. So, but how do you do that on the phone? I'm sorry. But how do you do that on the phone when you're just? So we're we're seeing the industry working towards utilization of tokenization in a in a mobile environment. Mm-hmm. So when you when you order ahead, um, it, it is sort of by extension. It is as if you've got kind of a mobile payments experience. So 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 what it does is it allows the it it, it ensures that there is a level of security built into built into the uh, into the system. Is that like an app where you read the credit card number off your phone that you're going to give the merchant? It's tied back to your prime number, but it's tied. It's tied back to your yeah. to your your personal account number. So tied back cool. to tied back to the tied back to your to your number. Cool. I have another question for you. I haven't got an answer to this from anyone yet. Maybe you know. Storefront merchant, brick and mortar. They sell you things and you walk out of the store with them. Is it legal for them to refuse cash in the United States? I always thought paper was legal anywhere. I've heard so about some rest- I've heard about some places in Philadelphia and other places where they in Amazon where they've tried to refuse cash. Can they do that? So there have been a number of, uh, of of state legislatures that have looked at the issues around cash and have sought to to um, to require. Isn't it a federal issue? When the federal government issues the currency, it's got to be good anywhere. Right, right. But it's I think the question around cash. You know, it used to be that cash was king. Um, the the piece for cash is um, that. It is a risk issue. You know, I was in a uh, I was in an Uber not very long ago in Atlanta, and I've said nothing to the driver about working in the payment space. And unprompted, she started talking about cash and the fact that she is thrilled beyond belief that she does not accept cash mm. because she's an Uber driver. And the fact that that gives her a level of security and safety that she never otherwise would have had. Well, that's why I asked about merchants of brick and mortar storefronts. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the appeal of moving away from cash is the is a reduction of risk and theft and robbery. There's also a piece around consumer protection. So, so for under the card network rules, consumers are not liable for fraud on their credit cards. So, again, there's a there's a piece around using cards that drives the consumer protection, the consumer safety piece home. And then um, yes, but you're focusing on the practicality issue. I'm questioning about whether it's legal to refuse cash. Yeah, I'm, you know, I don't really want to get into the legalities of that right now. We, we as an organization and as an association, believe in the value that our members bring to the ecosystem that they bring to commerce, and um, you know, a, a cashless environment. Um, is is uh, you know it brings tremendous amount of consumer benefit um, as I've as I've noted previously and so that's um, you know uh, it's interesting I will share with you that we do uh, we also have a podcast series um, and one of the questions that we ask as our sort of closing question is around um, a variety of points but one of which is what was the last time you used cash and more and more of um, 
of, of individuals that we talk to across the payments ecosystem really have a hard time remembering where they last used cash. <laughs> so was it, I mean, oftentimes it's a tip, right? I mean, that's that's the other piece of um of where we see people using cash. Oh, I've got a, I've got a tip in a hotel or I've got a, I've got to, uh, I've got to give a tip in a, in a hair salon. But, you know, this is where the piece around innovation in the payments ecosystem really takes hold. More and more we see um, companies growing in the space to um, allow for, again, an electronic payments device, maybe tied to your phone um, to provide a tip to your uh to your salon stylist or to your um, uh, whoever you utilize cash to tip with. Again, I think that's where there's really interesting ways to think about how to incorporate um, alternatives to cash, substitutability for cash for those small ticket items. Or if you think about it in sort of a, a, a sort of a, a Venmo world, which a lot of uh, a lot of uh, young people tend to rely on, being able to share small dollar amounts back and forth. So I think it is. It's it's really about figuring out interesting, innovative, technology based alternatives to to cash. Okay, so we're about out of time. Uh, I have uh, just time enough to ask you one more interesting question. Okay. So recently you gave a presentation at Transact in Las Vegas. Did you talk about the future payments? What's beyond Apple Pay on my watch? What, what's the future hold? Can you help us kind of look out a few years and see what's coming? Oh, my gosh. It's, it, it is fascinating to think about it. It's fascinating to think about um, the in it. The integration, the interoperability, the seamlessness of payments. So, um, you know, I know, I know your listeners have heard of the Internet of Things. Sometimes we talk about the Internet of Payments, but where those devices, where every device is enabled to be a commerce device, mm. where the ability to engage in making a purchase, paying a bill. Um, it becomes sort of everyday and with ease, speed, simplicity, and security. And um, and the security piece is something too. And I don't want to overemphasize it, but it is. It is. It really is. Um, at the end of the day, for so many, um, I think not just not just consumers, but for the entire ecosystem, being mindful and paying attention to managing risk and reducing instances of fraud. Are, are really significant. And um, so safety and security go hand in hand in the, um, in the ecosystem. There's so much in the way of, of new opportunities to, um, to enhance customer experience, to create meaningful, valuable digital experiences, to create joy with payments. You know, every time I use... <laughs> That's is, a good, interesting angle. I use... My mobile payments device, it just makes me smile. I know how it feels every time I use Apple Pay on my watch. I smile. Right, right. Yeah. It is, it is, it is, it's transformational because of the ease and the sophistication. And it's a joyful consumer experience. It's a joyful customer experience. You know, everybody in the payments industry is working to create that, to, to envision that next, that future experience. But we're also consumers. So we also, you know, it's it's not that we're just writing this great movie. We're also the actors in the movie. We're also part of the part of bringing it to life. And so 
we have the chance to be to be just just as vital and essential to sort of the R&D and thinking about what we'd like to see going forward. And so um, I will tell you, it is it's about the joy of payments, literally, <laughs> uh, in terms of, of using mobile devices, in terms of using contactless, in terms of anticipating and thinking what other device will be enabled with payments. We see that with the connected car. So my refrigerator uh, will pay my electric bill. Right. You, you know, <laughs> about those kinds of things, or we think about the wearables oh, of what yeah. you're about, paying with your watch, um, thinking about all these new models for technology and new use cases is exciting and it's energizing and and it's meaningful and valuable for 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 sort of for the human experience, not to sound, you know, sort of too overblown about it, but it is. We go through life every day making a payment, whether you're paying to get to work, whether you're, you're, you know, paying in a, in a grocery store, whether you're, you know, a college student making a payment somewhere. Um, everybody is engaged some way in the, in the enablement of commerce. And our members are on the leading edge of driving that transformation to the future, to the next wave of growth. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you for joining me. This has been great. John, thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure. Listeners, I've been chatting with the interim CEO of the Electronic Transaction Association, Amy Zirkel. I hope you enjoyed the show, and you've been listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode. We'll see you again next week.